0: Hello, Welcome to the Christchurch Jerusalem Bible Study, where we wrestle with God's Word. For more information on the church, to listen to sermons, to contact us, or to make a gift, visit ChristchurchJerusalem.org.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, friends, brothers and sisters, welcome to Christchurch Jerusalem, to our evening Bible Study. Uh, currently on Zoom, and we will eventually meet in Zoom and in person soon. We are studying the Book of Leviticus, and we are at probably the pinnacle of uh, of the book of the Holiness Code, the constitution of the state of Israel as it is about to enter the land of Canaan and become the people of God and the light to the nations. Uh, we acknowledge, of course. The Holy Spirit is present. We are not doing this by ourselves. If we were doing this by ourselves, then this would be a waste of time. But the Holy Spirit is alive. He is well, and He is with us. So we acknowledge His presence. One way is through prayer. And our brother in Nigeria, Rabbi Shimshon, will pray us in. Shimshon, lead us in prayer, man. Let us pray. Our Father, who is in heaven, we thank you for your presence with us
2: and every time we study. We ask that you open our eyes, that we may uncover the wonders in your Torah, that it will become healing to us, become power to us, becomes your way to reach out to us and let us to know you. Father, we ask all this in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, who pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Jesus is alive. All right. As is our tradition, we have a go at uh, reading through the summary from last week. Now, last week was a big discussion. And trying to get through all the notes and put it faithfully on um, the document ended up being probably almost one of the longest summaries I've ever had. Anyway, so I apologize for the summary. It's attached. Please follow along. This is a summary of our discussion of Leviticus 18, verses 6 to 30. The call to be holy is not limited to impacting our prayer life, or to improve the quality of our daily devotions. The principle of holiness is to impact every aspect of our lives, families, and communities. Chapter 18 declares the holiness code of conduct in regards to sexual behavior and how Israel is to act differently from the pagan nations. Talking about human sexuality can be a charged conversation in our modern world. What the biblical text calls an abomination, the current culture calls a sexual orientation. Many people today identify themselves by their sexual preference over and above any other identity marker. As these instructions are given to Israel, the argument can be, and it has been made, that they no longer apply to the Gentile Christian community. However, during the Acts 15 Council of Jerusalem, the summary instructions to the inclusion of Gentiles into the messianic faith forbids sexual immorality. What exactly is the definition of sexual immorality? None is provided in the book of Acts. And the leadership in Jerusalem were not waiting for the Apostle Paul to pen the Epistle to the Corinthians to shed some light on the matter. The Jewish community already had a defined understanding of appropriate human sexual morality. Everything else was immoral. James reminds the Jewish and the new Gentile believers that Moses continues to be read in the synagogue. Hence, teachings on sexual purity will continue to be studied by the community and hopefully put into practice. When the New Testament writers wrote about sexual immorality and uncleanness, they did so from a context that understood Leviticus 18 as important in defining sexual purity. Verse 6 begins in the Hebrew saying, ish, ish, literally man, man, which the sages say has the meaning for both men and women. While much of the text is directed to the father of the family as head of the clan, the injunction to sexual holiness pertains also to the women. It takes to the tango, as they say. The Hebrew text literally says, do not uncover the nakedness. Now, this occurs 17 times in this chapter. This is a biblical euphemism for some sort of sexual activity first appearing in Genesis 9, in which Ham sees the nakedness of his father Noah and informs his brothers. Upon awakening, Noah realizes what his son had done to him and curses Canaan, not Ham. The term son in Hebrew can also mean grandson. Ham lacks the willpower or the courage to stop Canaan from some immorality with either Noah or Noah's wife. The Levitical text mentions both as uncovering the father's nakedness. The nakedness of an individual belongs and is shared by the spouse. Instead of confronting Canaan, Ham informs his brothers. In Jewish exegesis, beginnings and ends occur in the same pattern, on the same day, by the same groups of people. Canaan receives a curse, and the final cleansing of this curse occurs In the land of Canaan, where God will bring his people, immorality will be replaced by a moral code and an appropriate behavior. Much of the preceding laws regarding human sexuality pertain to close relatives and incest. Family units are critical in the foundation and health of society. The Hebrew Bible contains many accounts where these instructions were not followed, and in all cases, tension arises. Verse 18, legislates against rival sisters as wives to the same husband. In the biblical narrative of Jacob, Jacob is pushed into a marriage with Leah, and tension ensues when Rachel joins the family later. Despite this, the Lord always makes things right, with Leah being the mother of the future Messiah and the Redeemer to the line of Judah. Verse 20 suddenly introduces the prohibition of passing children through fire to Molech. Who was Molech, and why is he included in these sexual moral codes? The Book of Kings, here at 1 Kings uh, 11 and 2 Kings 16, notes that Molech is part of the Ammonite and Canaanite pantheon. Apparently, Molech is a fertility god. Now, as Canaan lacked a major river or water tributary, fertility gods were held in high esteem. The fertility of the earth, we're sort of talking about here. Worshipping this fertility god apparently involved the practice of child sacrifice, although there is also the suggestion that children were given over to the temples to be raised as temple prostitutes. Many of the fertility cults in the region included religious prostitutes and they used sexual activity in pagan religious worship. This reinforces for us that there was a spiritual side to the physical purity and morality. There is a demonic sense to sinful activity. There is a connection then between idolatry, sexual immorality, human sacrifice, and demonic activity. None of these things are something that the people of God should be involved with. While sexual immorality should be far from us, this does not absolve us of having compassion on those engaged in such immorality. This is acutely highlighted in the context of homosexuality, which, according to Leviticus, is a forbidden human sexual relationship, while in our modern culture it is celebrated as a normal expression of sexual activity. Jesus makes no comment on the issue of homosexuality in the Gospels. He does declare that he has not come to abolish the Torah, which includes Leviticus 18. Paul, however, asserts in Romans 1, 26-27, that same-sex activity is immoral and that such activity was at odds with the creation ideal. Conversations about appropriate human sexuality can get divisive amongst the body of Messiah. New denominations have been formed over these issues, and secular media delight in ridicule of those professing conservative values. What we have in Leviticus 18 is a holiness code of human sexuality. Disciples of Jesus are to follow his example of grace, mercy, and forgiveness. This is not done by declaring immorality to now be moral, nor declaring sin to no longer exist since the resurrection. Rather, we are called by the Messiah, and as Peter affirmed, to be a holy people. Paul would admon- admonish us not to practice deeds of immorality and included this in holiness in human sexuality. The chapter concludes by noting that the earth itself reacts to the stain of sin on it. Some would argue that that reference is solely to the land of Israel and does not pertain to other lands. However, the land is vomiting out the Canaanites' beef- or the people of israel take possession of the land while it is known as the land of canaan the first people the earth reacts to are gentiles and finally moses issues a harsh ruling for those who are in continual trespass of the moral code they are to be cut off or excommunicated from the community this penalty is a last resort and not the first recourse There are similar parallels in the New Testament. Jesus in Matthew 18, 15 to 17, where the final action against an unrepentant brother is to be treated as a tax collector who were not well thought of at all. Paul in Corinthians describes such an excommunication as a last resort while rebuking the Corinthians for tolerating incest. What we see is that holiness is transferable as is sin. The grace of God is not to tolerate sin, but to redeem it. And the message of the prophets and the church is a call to repentance from sin, not acceptance of it. We are called to holiness, and this includes purity in our sexual relationships. All right. So after dealing with a lot of the sexual stuff, We now come to Leviticus 19, which in the chiastic frame is the high point of this this book. And uh, there aren't uh, titles in the uh, Hebrew text, but I'm sure most of our Bibles actually come with a title. Mine comes with The Lord is Holy. as I'm reading in uh, in the SV. Anybody else got a really good title to this chapter? Yours is Various Laws. What, What version is yours? NIV just said various laws. That's rather boring. Okay. The Lord is holy, ESV. That's a lot better. Anyone got a really cool title? Kedoshim.
3: Moral and ceremonial laws. Okay. That's
1: the
3: King James version.
1: Yeah. What was yours, Morty? Well, Kedoshim. <laughs> Kedoshim, holiness. Okay. That's, that's actually like the... That's the a parashat. So. Correct. The, the parashat is called Kedoshim, holiness. Okay. The the, the book doesn't come with titles. We we invent them. And that sometimes then betrays a little bit about um, the bias of our translators.
0: Mine says a repetition of laws.
1: Yours is a repetition. Oh, my gosh. We come to the high point and it's just a repetition. Okay, interesting. Uh, uh, What version was that one, Elizabeth?
0: King James Version. Hmm.
1: There you go. All right. Okay, guys, I'm reading from an ESV. It's not perfect. It's a great version. But like any version, uh, it's still going to have to be um, uh, a, a translation by interpretation. All right. So I'm going to read. This This is actually quite a, a big chapter. I'm just going to read the first um, 18 verses and see how far we get. Okay? And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make for yourself any gods of cast metal. I am the Lord your God. When you offer a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord, You shall offer it so that it may be accepted. It shall be eaten the same day you offer it or on the day after, and anything left over until the third day shall be burned up with fire. If it is eaten at all on the third day, it is tainted, and it will not be accepted. And anyone who eats it shall bear his iniquity because he has profaned what is holy to the Lord, and that person will be cut off from his people. When you reap, The harvest of your land. You shall not reap your field right up to its edge, and neither shall you gather the gleanings under your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare, and neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely, you shall not lie to one another. Shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of the Lord your God. I am the Lord. Shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. And you shall not curse the deaf nor put a stumbling block before the blind. But you shall be your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor. Or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbour. You shall not go around as a slanderer among the people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbour. I am the Lord. And you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. I mean, these are really cool um, commands. But let's see what we can do uh, with that. All right, brothers, sisters, based on a literal reading of the text, what jumps out at you? We've got a hand raised there by the Butterfields, Peter or David.
4: Aaron, the first thing that jumps out to me is the Lord, when He says, "You shall not do this." At, at certain points, He'll say, "I am the Lord thy God," then He says, "I am the Lord."
1: Okay, so that, that's something that, that that resonates with you. Okay, why is that initially? Do you think is do you do you think there's
4: something there? I, I do. I think it must be to do with the the thing that He's actually speaking about at that point. It's uh, I'm just trying to backtrack to the one where he says where he speaks about idols. He says, "I am the Lord your God." And for example, if I jump down, they said, and you shall not swear by me, your name, I am the Lord. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's like the one is saying, I am the only God. Yep. And then the other one is saying, because you're in me, I am the Lord, you will obey me.
1: Type of thing. Yeah, so, so one's personal and one's yeah. more universal.
4: Yeah, very much so.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So perhaps some of these laws, if we look at the, the phrase, perhaps there's something personal about it. And perhaps there's yes. something more universal about it. Okay, so that's something interesting. Okay. Uh, Moti, you've got a hand raised?
5: Yes, sir. Thank you. So as we see in the entire Khumash, God is basically telling Israelites what to do step by step. So we started from the Bereshit, right? It's, God gave us some background. Now he is telling us what he really wants from the Jewish people by saying, be holy as I am holy. So slowly, slowly we are going to come to the point of what the mission
1: of Jews is. Okay. Yep. So this is like the high point of everything. This is yes. this is the reason why we get the children of Israel out of Egypt. Yes. Yes. Cool. All right. Teresa, London.
6: Um. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, it's just when you were reading it out, what read, and when I was reading the first bit myself, the first. Three verses. What struck me was immediately after the statement about, you know, I am hope, um, you shall be holy for I am holy, um, Hashem your God. And then immediately after that comes the equivalent, honor your mother and your father, and then my Sabbaths you shall adverse uh, um, observe. And I thought that I know it is roughly, you know, it's what's said in the Ten Commandments. But I just thought immediately after be holy for I am holy, um, he then says, and honour your mother and your father and keep the, the Shabbat. So it was just that that struck me. Um, yeah.
1: The, this this, has, this uh, chapter does have strong connections, obviously, with the Ten Commandments, and I guess that's the reason why several of our headings simply say, and a repetition of the laws you know we've we've done it in exodus twenty we're about to do it again in Deuteronomy five um, let's throw it in there in Leviticus why not um, uh, but I think what you're pointing out also Teresa is there's some differences in the Ten Commandments is that in the Ten Commandments God doesn't interject by saying by the way I'm the Lord God here he really does and he's there's something about this holiness code that becomes incredibly um, universal and Personal at the same time. All right, Roddy, you've got a hand raised. Verse sixteen,
7: we have an affirmative duty to protect our neighbor.
1: Okay, there you go. That's 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 um. Okay, that's, that that resonated with you particularly. Well, I mean,
7: yeah. Who's our neighbor? Is Ukraine our neighbor? Do we have a, a duty to step in and help our our neighbors?
1: Okay, so there you're talking about um um. The, the political machinations between empires? Yes. Do, do we have the, do
7: we have the? Who is our
1: Correct. And um, if we, if our neighbors individuals, are they states? Are they clans? And then, you know, what, what should be our responsibility? And uh, that's a good, those are good questions. Okay. So that's what's resonating um, with you at the moment, buddy. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Vida or David, hand raised.
8: Hi, Erin, I what really struck me is um this first verse, it says, You shall, second verse, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And as you read through this chapter, this is so profound. God is God is wanting to make us exactly into his image. And what really is as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, Lord, is it just if I keep all these laws, am I holy? And and as I'm reading this and reading it and I'm reading it, I'm thinking. I can't be holy. there's no way. and yet, in all of what I've just read, it's it summarizes in everything I'm reading to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbors yourself. And that that heart of God that allows me now through Christ Jesus, that given me that new heart in the new covenant to do this, I can be holy in the in the way God wants me to be holy. and that just that be holy. Is so important for us to be as children of God.
1: Thanks, Judith, because that also resonated with me when I read this and I come up with that same tension, which is, in my mind, I I can see what the text says. The Lord says very clearly, there's not, not a lot of wiggle room here. Be holy like me. And, of course, my good little Protestant brain, which might not be a good little Protestant brain, um, says, wait a second, you know, there's absolutely no possible way that I can be holy. So this verse is completely superfluous, which would then need me to logically say, why would the Lord possibly say this to his people in the wilderness? Because then I can come to the conclusion, well, he's not actually talking to them. He's actually talking to me, which would then say to the Israelite, who's actually hearing this from the Lord, you're not worth much, but you're just the vessel so that I can talk to Aaron. So I have to come back to the original conclusion, which is the tension. Wait a second. God is calling me to be holy. That is, that is profound. That is personal. That is universal. That is all of these amazing things all wrapped into one. Obviously, I get the Holy Spirit to help. I get my brothers and sisters to help. What about our brothers and sisters? sitting in this wilderness about to enter the land of Canaan.
4: Yes, and Eric, that, that is so amazing because, yes, because it's also possible that the Lord God is pointing us to the future because if I look at Ephesians 4, 22 to 24, right, especially 23 and 24, it says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which, and this is the part that I love, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness.
1: Okay, so there's again the call to be holy, but there it's discussing in relation to the Messiah. These guys haven't got that bit yet, right? They've got the promise of Messiah, but not the actual advent thereof. Very interesting. Okay, thanks, thanks, David. Okay, Shimshon, you've got a hand raised. Yes, um,
2: I just wanted to make the emphasis on the um, the the, the Lord, you know, interjecting in this. in these verses and put in, I am the Lord thy God, I am the Lord thy God. Um, It's like, it's as if um, it's an order that is given and is signing it by his name. It's not for negotiation. It's not for debate. You know, God is giving um, in Africa. We have um, a lot of places that are very militarized. And um, if you're going there, they say, uh, um, keep moving, no stopping. And they say military, you know, you know, is the order from the military. So you don't, you don't, you don't uh, make any kind of stopping in that place. So also, God is saying here that um, this is me saying it. It's not for you to begin to debate whether you should do it or not. It is an order. Um, that's the way I see God
1: signing off on all the orders that are there. Awesome. Thanks very much. I am the Lord, your God, Universe. I'm the Lord, universal. I'm the Lord, your God, personal. No negotiation. No debate. This is a signature of the Lord. This is heaven's voice. Um, Very good. All right. Um, Andrew from South Africa.
5: Yeah, I also wanted to allude to the tension in verse 2 about you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Um, And just wondering what it really means that what does it mean that God is holy? Does it not mean that God is different to us? that God is all powerful, yet and there's a sort of tension. I'm just reiterating, really, the tension that that exists there, that God is different to us, yet we have been called to be like Him. Uh, he's intentionally different from us, and we need to appreciate that He's different to us. Yet at the same time, we've been called to be like like Him, really.
1: Excellent. The it's true holiness, which which. You go to almost any definition. Will go. This means to be set apart. So God is set apart. He is different. He is not like creation, because he is the creator. He is unique. He is um, all powerful. He is. He is everything. We we can't even we can't even create words to adequately define. Yet, he turns around to his creation a small part of it, and then mysteriously says, uh, be like me. And, you know, these little humans, you know, sitting in the desert, looking at their shoes that don't wear out, go, wow, how is that possible? Um, What an amazing calling. And that call is the same for us. This entire book has been this one giant call of God humbling himself to come down to his creation and say, actually, I want you to look, act, be, just like me. I mean, I could have made you just like me, but I didn't. But I want you to be just like me.
9: But he did, though. And it was the plan from the beginning, right, that he would have a relationship with us. So we, we are made in his image.
1: Yes, yes, we are made in his image, but we're not omnipotent, is what I'm trying to say. We're not otherworldly. We're not separate from creation. We are part of creation. The, the thing that is separate from creation enters creation to talk to creation, to tell creation, be like me. That, I think, is probably unfathomable. And I think some, some, there are some commentators. I know that um, uh, Lord Sachs does it and a bunch of other Christian commentators also comment on this way, okay, where they, they're struggling with, or not struggling, but they're um, wrestling with the sublime majesty of the commandment. Hey, be like me. And um, and that same mysticism, and I don't mean mysticism in terms of magic, but that same otherworldliness is also in the new covenant. Does not the Messiah, right, the redeemer of the universe, turn around and say, be like me, right? Love like I've loved. How is that possible, Lord?
9: I will empower you to do it.
1: Okay, we get that. What about these guys sitting in the, in the desert? Do they yes. sit down and go, okay, but I guess I have to wait 4,000 years. So really doesn't apply to me.
8: No,
9: but I think from the beginning, eh, Aaron, like from, from creation, God wants an intimate relationship with his creation. He created us. We, we we give him pleasure by loving him first. And all through the Old Testament, like he is jealous God. In fact, that's why he's coming back to judge the earth with fire, because he's a jealous God. And when people don't love him first and foremost, And therefore, yeah. So yeah, for sure. So I think we're just, I think we're ultimately empowered by him. And if our heart is in the right direction back in the Old Testament, then I guess, because clearly, uh, you know, Abraham had an active faith where he believed that caused action, right? Like it wasn't just sort of a, you know, lip service, religious activity. I'm going to do this every Sunday for something to do, right? This is, I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind.
4: What God say about the Israelites to begin with, I will separate you out. A people unto myself right so that you will be set apart isn't that wasn't that the first step to walking towards holiness
1: yes yes right on and how does he does how does he empower people to walk apart and to be set apart i mean obviously our our initial like if, if we talk today we'd say oh, we get the holy spirit
4: what about
9: these guys Flippantly. Andrew would not approve. No, we can't be too flippant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Sharon. We can't be too flippant. Okay, Janet from uh, the lovely island of Vancouver. If anybody hasn't been there, you should go.
0: I don't know. Maybe I'm just repeating things. I, I just sort of thinking, well, what did they really understand about what it means to be holy? And um, my title in my chapter is laws of holiness and justice so there he sort of it it's it i think he's saying this is gonna be a journey for you. you're going to learn what it is by doing these things or by not doing them um like consciously knowing that um you know when you revere when you show reverence or revere your mother and your father you're you're operating under. Um, an aspect of, of, of how God's making that into you of himself, or e- even, I mean, even how you're going to treat the land or how you're going to treat the poor and the needy. Um, it, it's, it's going to be a process. Um, you shall be, or it's sort of like, I'm going to, these are the ways that are going to help you to become a holy people. It's not sort of like, well, just be this. you know. It's...
1: There's, there's Torah, which, which is the word instruction. There is instruction on how to be holy. You know, God says, be holy. And then the people go, well, how's that? Well, here's what, how I feel about the poor, as you said, Janet. Here's how I feel about human sexuality. Here's how I feel about the way you deal with your neighbors and the nations around you. Here is how I feel about families. Here is how I feel about priests. Here is how I feel about the proper forms of worship. I mean, there's incredible aspects that God is giving. And these are instructions or we call Torah, which, of course, as the prophet Jeremiah says, one day will be on your hearts. You'll be able to have access to them all the time, even, even, if, they take, even if they take all our Bibles away from us. And one day they might do that.
9: Right on, but at this time so the Torah is what you do. You just follow the Torah. You follow the guide at this time. But that's since changed?
1: Yeah. Well, see, here's the thing. I would argue no, it hasn't changed. Can't possibly. The instructions, because that's what Torah means, hasn't changed. The teaching and the guidance hasn't. What you've got is a is a the gift of the Holy Spirit,
9: giving us that righteousness and that ability to fulfill it then.
1: Well, Righteousness, which we haven't had this discussion on, Sharon, but we're going to have to. I
9: am saying it a nice email, but what else can you do? Unless you give me a call for three hours with everybody else. <laughs> okay,
1: I'll just say this for you, Sharon. About two weeks ago, we had a psalm that was read in churches on, I think it was the fourth Sunday of Lent for those that want to go and check. Psalm 32 and lovely psalm, beautiful psalm. Do this, do that. God's going to do all these kind of wonderful things. And at the end of the psalm, it says, all you righteous, praise the Lord, which is going to be absolutely superfluous uh, comment if there's no one righteous. No, not one. And so it means that the biblical understanding of righteousness is slightly different to our current day. Let's not take our current understanding. And think that this is the only way and then superimpose it on the Bible.
9: No, I'm not. I'm taking a New Testament perspective. And my, my New Testament perspective would be that I have no righteousness and Christ is my
1: righteousness. Sharon, listen. Habakkuk 2.4. The righteous will live by his faithfulness. Small problem for Habakkuk if no one's actually righteous. What I'm trying to say, Sharon, is the word righteous most likely doesn't mean what you think it means. It means something a little bit more, most definitely something deeper. All right, Kate from Scotland.
3: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, that was that was interesting conversation there. Um, and this is petty in comparison. I was just thinking when I read, and sometimes you can read something with a stress on a different word. And if I read this, I could read it as a prediction. Like, you shall be holy, for the Lord your God am holy. For I, the Lord your God, am holy. Saying, you shall be holy. Or it should be um, an indication of um, imperative, saying, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. It could be that he's telling you that you will be holy because he's making you in his image, because he is holy. Or it could be that you must be holy because I am holy. So it was just a thought. It's it's an imperative. Sorry. Both. Both okay. <laughs> but, yeah,
1: that's it's right. So, so whenever whenever Kate, you give us two or three options, those of us in Israel are going to say yes. <laughs> uh, a, B, and C. And if you don't mind, can you throw in a D? Yes, you're absolutely right. The call is to be holy. Yes. The call is also a promise that you will be yes. holy. Will be in holy. Setting yes. up this future thing. Right is right. And but but and and there's definitely the I am actually holy says the Lord not I'm going to be holy no I really am and I kind of want you to look like me especially when you get into the land of Israel. Yes. And uh, and uh, and and reflect that. Awesome. Okay, so there's a couple of different there's different tenses there that um, that, that that resonate. Shimshon, and then Roddy, and then Teresa. I've got hands raised everywhere. But Brothers and sisters, isn't this interesting? Here we are as a bunch of Gentiles, mostly there's there's some Jewish believers here present, and we're discussing the holiness of God. What a yes. And I, I I I sometimes wonder if our Jewish brothers and sisters, if they ever knew how Gentiles actually delight in the holiness of God, if they would sit and actually ponder and go, wow, that's actually amazing. Anyway. That's just a, a, a private thought. Okay, Shimshon? All right. Um, I, I'd like us to
2: skip a bit further. And when we look at um, chapter 20 of the same Leviticus, and we read from verse um, 7 and 8, it tells us especially concerning the holiness. It says, You shall I am your God. Then in verse 8, it says, You shall faithfully observe my laws. I, the Lord, make you holy. Okay, interesting. I, the Lord, make you holy. Very good. Yeah, in the Hebrew it says, Yes. Yeah. You know, because in the New Testament we normally say Christ is our righteousness. But I, I think it's taken from this context that says "Ani Adonai Mekadishken. Um that says, I'm the Lord that makes you holy. So it's God that makes us holy. It's not um what we do to achieve that holiness. Okay.
8: Thank you.
1: thanks, Shimshon. Excellent.
8: Love what you said, Shimshon because that is so powerful because. It just made me think of Psalm uh, 23. Um, It's all everything, and without He will lead you in paths. He will do this for you. God is the one that does everything. We are incapable. And I just love what you said. It was very powerful for me. Thank you.
1: Okay, so here's the thing I am the Lord who makes you holy. How does He make you holy?
8: Through His Holy Spirit now.
1: Okay, yes, except we're talking about a bunch of people sitting inside a desert. Now,
2: it makes you holy through His. Through His Word and the Spirit. Now His Spirit helps you to be holy, but He still gives you the code that you know how to observe. Because you see, the verse before says that you will sanctify yourself. But it's God that sanctifies you. So you It's not. Um. It's God's business. Let me just live my life the way I want. Uh, he. It does it. It cleans me. No. There is going to be an impute for you. You. You have
1: to put some parts
2: to it. Yep.
1: Excellent. So, oh, Word. Spirit code, all of these work together. Covenant is partnership, right? God calls a people and he says, I'm holy. Now you be holy. He could easily have said to the world, I'm holy. I don't care about any of you. I don't care what you do. I'm holy. But there's a partnership in the entire Bible right from the beginning. God could have attended the garden. No, I'll have Adam do it. Why? I'll have humans bring sacrifices. Angels could have done it. it. Doesn't work that way. So we have to remember that there's word, spirit, and code. And so that's all of those themes resonate here in Hebrew Bible as they do the same in New Testament. Um, uh, so it's a, these are tough things to think about sometimes, but it's also true. We can't turn around and say, I make myself holy. No, the Lord makes us holy. How does he make us holy? He's given us his instructions. This is what I like, what I don't like. Here we go, guys. And um, you have a, a, a certain standard of living, certain purity laws, certain codes of behavior, as well as the presence of the Lord, spirit of the Lord, the word of the Lord, prophets of the Lord etc 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 and uh, so that's all they're all linked uh, and we need to sort of remove ourselves from trying to think that um, you have old new they're, those are those are artificial words that we have attached to the Bible just like headings and paragraphs you have, Amen. You have covenants God makes and it's
9: covenants. a new covenant
1: and he makes new covenants which do not abrogate Old covenants.
9: Okay, it's not abrogated, but it's the same thing, Aaron. Why do you agree with Shimshon when you said the same thing as I just said five minutes ago when you fight with me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you think we do? Okay, Roddy, you're up.
7: Well, I've got fifteen new things now. It's <laughs> uh, new. There's a Brit Hadashah because no one was in covenant. We'd all broke all the other ones. So God says, "Now I'm going to make another covenant." So that not only will my people, but the whole world can come into a relationship with me, but for everlasting life. And that's one of the big differences with the Brit Hadasha. But going back to who is this, uh, who are these words written to? Who are they written for? Uh, be holy for I am holy. And Aaron, you already said it. How you know, I make you holy. Well, how does he make us holy? So one extra thing to throw in there for everyone to think about is these look at all the things that he's telling us how to be holy and look at the contrast of the people in the desert. What were they in contrast to everyone else that was in their world at that point in time? Who is in our world today? And how are these things setting us apart? Because ultimately it's going to come down to we are set apart people. And so look at it into the contrast. And this is how he makes us holy. Cool.
1: All right, I'm not 100 percent sure where I'm supposed to go with that. Thanks, Roddy. That was great.
7: <laughs> no, you don't have to go anywhere, it's just for people to think about.
1: Yep, I know. Shimshon likes to call it the renewed covenant. All right, I there's a there's a few people that um that also like to say that the uh although the text itself is still brit Chadashah. So let's also just keep it also as it's as its Hebrew Hebrew phrase. Okay, yeah, I've got two more hand raised. Um We'll continue the conversation, but eventually we will begin to wrestle with the text itself, although this is great that we're wrestling with the call for holiness because this is a call that has never changed. This is is a call that's on our lives right now. We are meant to be a people before the Lord that are reflecting to the nations around us uh, a holiness, and um, where the church fails to do that, it certainly loses its witness. It certainly loses its uh, voice in the world and uh, membership. Membership is not the be all and end all of a church. Although, when all of your people are leaving your church, you probably should start to wonder why. All right. Okay. So, uh, Vita or David, hand raised. I
4: love what Roddy said, but my, my perspective would be this is, is when, we, when we're going through the scriptures, it's, pro, it's progression, right? The Lord is leading us to a final point. And so if we if we stop in the desert, we say, oh, what's you know, these guys are having a problem with holiness and everything. But was not the Lord God putting in place the idea that he's going to lift up the people to meet with him? For example, he's going to make a temple. He's going to make a way that you can have a group of people to meet with him to speak to the people. In other words, he's lifting it up into that place to meet with him. He's not actually coming down to us he's putting that holiness into us through the tabernacle and he's making a, a, a way that's eventually going to lead, of course, to Messiah and to the New Jerusalem. But in the desert, he actually starts putting that plan into place.
1: Sure, absolutely.
4: So that he can be with us. But he couldn't just come and be with us here to make this area and this place for us to be with him. And that was the first step towards that holiness.
1: Yeah. I, I Just off the top of my head while you were thinking... What do you think the difference is between the Israelites and Adam?
4: I think by then, Aaron, we had become so separated. Okay. And there was a big rift now that the Lord was literally having to mend that rift at that point.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah, no, no, I, I understand the, the, uh, the, the argument.
8: Adam was with God and walked, basically left God. And the Israelites are a people he's bringing to him, in my mind.
1: Sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The um the there is going to the the, the Adam God relationship is one of those ideals that we would all like to get to. This sort of face to face walk in the cool of the evening, hear my voice, hear your voice, unashamed uh, feeling.
4: And also, Aaron. By then, is as we had become well, because because Adam Adam walked away in a sense. We were full of sin, right? Okay. And, and you can't bring sin into the presence of holiness. Right. Those are two separate, separate things. That's right. So God gives us this way to deal with, which we've been talking all through Leviticus.
1: I'm calling you, but I need you to deal with these types of things. You've got unintentional sins, and then there's the sins of all the community. We still, Leviticus never quite deals with your personal sins. That's done by oral tradition, repentance.
4: And so sin Sinai had to take place. The Lord had to say, as you said, there had to come an agreement between two parties, right? And so and at this point, the Lord God is doing something so cool because he's saying, I'm not going to foist this on you. Sure. I also, I also have a, a thought. What about
1: just sheer numbers? It's nice to have one Adam and one Eve talking with the Lord, but what happens if they didn't sin and they had a, a plethora of kids who had more kids and they had more kids? sooner or later, um, how many of you actually can meet at one time in a physical space? So it, it create, it, none of these things are, uh, are realities. These are all ifs and thoughts and concepts. Um, of course, here we are all now being able to talk to the Lord personally and actually hear his, his voice personally at any, at any time. So we're kind of almost in the same um situation as our brother, okay, you got two hands there, Teresa from London, and then our brother, Rabbi Moti from Jerusalem Teresa, London
6: Well, mine is just a very brief point, Aaron, but God makes us holy in my view, but our part is also to make choices as you know because He takes us through a sanctification process, doesn't he yeah. and and this is part of a sanctification process, well, it is a sanctification process, but it isn't just. To, we don't, we're not passive as he does it to us. We have to actually make continual choices. And obviously that does, does involve a lot of repentance, really. Yep. Now I was thinking of, you know, when you're working through even emotional pain, you're taking off layers and taking off layers because yes. you're, in a sense, finding the image to which you were created.
1: Um, I, I, I absolutely hear you there, Teresa, yeah. and um, I acknowledge that our uh, Calvin, Calvin, uh, Calvinistic brothers may disagree with us <laughs> on right. the whole uh, choice bit, but there is a, um, that we're, I like the way you said it, we're not passive in this partnership.
6: Well, I have to make a choice to forgive, don't I? I mean, I have to make a choice to forgive somebody who's really hurt me. If I don't make that choice, I'm not going to forgive. And then that you know I will reap the consequences of that in various ways. So that's the kind of point, I'm, that's the way I'm using you make a choice.
1: Yep, I understand okay. and I agree. And I really enjoy um, uh, when David Plegge, the rector of Christchurch, we were discussing this, this, this response, this partnership in terms of forgiveness, where we had to forgive in the Lord's Prayer, forgive me as I forgive. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to forgive,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we all have to acknowledge that. And David had this streak of brilliance where he said, saying I, I can't forgive because I'm struggling with it is very different from saying I just won't forgive, I'm just mm-hmm. not going to. Mm-hmm. There, there, is this, there is this ability to say to the Lord, I'm really struggling with the fact that I have to forgive the guy you know, who was very drunk one night and killed my son while driving his car, right? Okay, that's it. That's a tough, but saying I can't do it right now is very different from saying to the Lord that I'm never going to forgive that guy. And, then the Lord and also, says.
6: it's a repetitive thing, isn't it? I mean, I find myself doing the forgiveness bit and praying for the person and yes. think I, you know, I'm on the right road. And then something happens, and I might have someone with me, which is even worse. And I say, you see, and I go back to that place and I say, oh, sorry, Lord, I'm supposed to have forgiven him. And and please, will you forgive me? And will you bless him or whatever, you know? Exactly, that's always the hard And it's that counter that, I think that's a good counter to try and pray for the person and pray for their prosperity, as it were. And I don't, not necessarily talking prosperity financially, but pray that they will prosper. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Uh, Rabbi Mordecai.
5: Yo, shalom. It's a very nice discussion. I'm enjoying it. First of all, great study. Now, I'd like to add something to what David Butterfield and others say. So here's the thing: you see, you talk about Adam, right? So God created Adam and Eve in His own image, and also in Genesis we read that He was just walking around in the garden. They were like just seeing them. Can you imagine like having the evening tea with God? So we were that's that's close to Him. Then because of the sin, we were kicked out of the garden. But God did not cut off His relationship with us. How do we read it? Because we know that he asked Cain and Abel to bring him uh, offerings. And he even went down from heaven to see what was going on, blah, blah, blah. In Judaism, we believe that in Gan Eden, we were there. Then we collapsed all the way down. We studied this during my Monday studies. That's then step-by-step right. by, step, by Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Yisak, Yaakov, Yosef, right? and finally Moshe Rabbeinu, we are basically taking the stairs back to heaven. So by here in the parashat we are reading the the Torah portion we are reading, God wants us to be holy as He is holy. But we were once holy, but we are just basically being re-holy again. So, and you see, this teaching is was so too high for Jewish people, for such a you know like slaves, slaves you know like they have no idea who God is. Then we took another step. Back to the holiness. When it comes to Jesus, many of you will remember from my week, uh, monthly emails. I emailed this couple of weeks ago in Luke 17, three, 4. Jesus says, if your brother sins against you seven times in a day and returns to you seven times in a day, you forgive him. Who am I? Am I God to forgive somebody seven times in a day? You see, the state of holiness a state of commandments and like being back to God, or going back to God, goes up and up and up. So finally, when the Messiah comes, we will be like that, in his presence. So here we see it. So be holy as I am holy. Then a couple couple hundred years later, Jesus comes and says, if someone sins against you, forgive him. Even though if he sins against you seven times a day, forgive him back in seven times a day, as God forgives us. So we are basically taking that state of holiness back by obeying the law. That's what I think. This is what, this is the it, this the, this is from my point of view. Actually, you don't have to agree. So I don't.
1: Yeah. No, no. Thank you very much. The idea of um that we were with God, you know, walking in the garden face to face, and then we fell. You know, this sort of idea that we were at a level, then the fall. We call it the fall. You know, Hanafal. You know, and then there's this um, somewhere along the line, some people like Enoch walked with God. Yeah. How did he get to that level again that he could do such a thing and then get taken away before the flood? You know, these kinds of ideas. But um, here we have in our current day, or what we're looking at here, we've got Israel about to go into the land, giving these, these holiness codes. This is what I need you to look like uh, to represent to the Lord. Uh, here we are several thousand years later with the Holy Spirit and the new covenant again. And uh, trying to get to that level that when the Messiah comes, as Paul says, one day we're going to see him just like he is. Okay? We're going to get to that level. Amen. Uh, at the moment, we see through a glass darkly, yeah. but one day, not, not so much. Amen. Okay, uh, Sharon, and then what do you think we actually try and tackle the text?
9: So you think he actually, so that guy that you just mentioned, do you think he actually had a heart that just really loved God and God could see that? Because again, Shimshon's principle still applies, right? I am the Lord who makes you holy. Like you said, Aaron, how could he be like that? And maybe other guys weren't, or like Noah. But obviously, still, ultimately, the holiness came from God from first to last,
1: right? All of the above, Sharon, all somehow, mysteriously, at the same time. It's one of those things that just spins us out. Yep, somehow, Enoch, unlike anybody else, (laughs) walked with the Lord and was given the, the... this beautiful gift, I guess, of being um, taken. Um, I don't know if any of us would have said no, if that, 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 that uh, option was given to us. But anyway, we'll see. All right, guys, let's have, a, I really have enjoyed the discussion. Holiness, it's, a, it's an incredible concept, and it's something that is sometimes missed amongst the body of the Messiah. Um, we are called to be a holy people. Peter has said so, right? that is reflected in the New Testament. And to our shame, many of our brothers and sisters who identify themselves as followers lead unholy lives and teach unholiness, which is, um, I don't know how to say it without swearing, but I have to say, look, it's not good, okay? (laughs) It's it's detrimental to the gospel. It hurts the kingdom of heaven, and it certainly takes Jesus' name And rubs it in the mud. So let's have a look at the holiness code of Leviticus 19. And the Lord spoke to Moses. Once again, this is Moses who's acting as prophet. Aaron, high priest, where he's not included in this discussion. Sometimes he is, sometimes he isn't. Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel. That includes the priests and the Levites. And every other tribe, males and females, slaves and free, rich and poor, black and white. Where have we heard this type of stuff before? You know, okay, speak to them all. And you say to them, and here you get these powerful words. Now you be holy. And again, as Kate says, How many different levels? Is this you will be holy in the future? You're not yet. We're going to get there in the future. Just be patient, even if it takes, you know, the next 100 generations. Or is it also, no, you be holy right now. You be holy when you get into the land of Israel. You be holy tomorrow morning when you wake up. Um, You be holy. Why? Because I the Lord your God. Very personal. I am holy. And there's this partnership this reflection, this um, this intrinsic bond that is is part of, uh, of God and his people. That if I'm actually going to have a people, they will actually reflect me.
5: Mordecai. Yes, here actually we see the love of God. Instead of just commanding us and without giving a reason, he gives a reason. He says, like, because I'm holy. Like, can you imagine a thief? tells his friends, like, telling his friends, oh, don't steal. Bro, you're stealing. Why, how, how dare are you to tell me not to steal? So here, God says, hey, be holy. Israelis are, are shocked. They're so like, what do you mean by that? Because I'm holy. Here's the reason. He doesn't have to, but he gives a reason. A good reason. A
1: lovely reason. Very nice. Thanks, Moti. Okay, Shimshan? Um, I just want
2: to make a reference for, to Ibim Ezra on his comment on this um, verse 2. It says that, um, you know, speak to the whole Israelite community, and they refer to that um, the El Kole, that's Bene Yisrael, as those that are, um, they are of the genealogy and those that were resident aliens. And that's why I use all the Israelite community so that they will not think that they can continue to remain in the land and be doing as they want to do because uh, they will say, oh, we're not. Um, part of the covenant or we're not part of of this, but as soon as you're living in the land, you must must keep this law. It's for everyone that lives in the land, which um, is very important.
1: Thank you. Everyone is part of the covenant. Thanks, brother. Appreciate that. Okay. Um, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel, all that are part of this covenant, everyone. And say to them, you shall be holy because I am the Lord your God and holy. A reason. Every one of you. And here we begin to get this reflection of the Ten Commandments. And so, so many of our headings then bring in an interpretation. But they don't need to do that. They just do it, okay, Um, and and put in a little heading. But we begin to get this uh, reflection of the Ten Commandments, which appear throughout this chapter every one of you shall revere his mother and his father and shall keep my sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Hey, any comments about that? Okay. So first of all, Moti?
5: Yeah, thank you so much. I actually have three different English translations with me, NIV, the New King James Version, and New American Standard Bible. They all translated this like that, but they are all wrong. Here it doesn't <laughs> say revere, it says fear. Look okay. at the Hebrew word. Tira'u. Fear your mother and mother. So first of all, I just wanted to fix that in Hebrew. I would like to quote from a paragraph that I found it very uh, interesting about this chapter. It says, here the scripture mentions the mother before the father because he is privy to the fact that the child fears his father more than his mother. Therefore, by mentioning the mother first, scripture emphasizes the duty of fearing her also. However, in the case of honoring one's parent in the 10 commandments, scripture mentions the father before the mother. Why? Because he is privy to the fact that the child honors his mother more than his father, since she wins his favor by speaking kind and loving words to the kid. I just wanted to share that you will see it in the 10 commandments, it's different order. Correct.
1: If you go to Exodus 30, Oh, so Exodus 20 or Deuteronomy 5, it's father, mother. Here in Leviticus, it's mother, father. Also, let's notice that in the list of the commandments, they've been switched. Okay? Fourth commandment is Sabbath. Fifth commandment is mother. Here it's mother, father, fifth commandment. Then we go to fourth commandment.
5: Moshe Rabbeinu was having fun.
1: He's having fun. He's obviously spinning them out. They're all sitting there going, well, dude, no, you're playing with me here. You've totally messed with the scriptures. Um, but it, it is interesting that that's, that's what's going on. Perhaps there's something we can we can uh, reflect on. Okay, but Sharon, you've got a hand raised. Thanks, Morty.
9: No, just a quick question, uh, Aaron, Marty. Uh, what does fear mean? What does that Hebrew word mean, Marty? Like fear, what does that mean to fear? Like fear God. Like
5: What do you mean? You are a... English speaker than asking me. <laughs>
9: no, I mean, fear, the, fear. The nuance, no, the nuance of your word fear in Hebrew, what does it mean to you when you read that Hebrew word reverence?
5: Yeah, be, be, exactly. So, like, out of the fear, you respect them, but that means that. But first of all, they're like we call uh, uh, Sadiqim like saints, Yerashamai, God fearers, heaven fearers. Why we can call them something else, but like, here is the it's the same, like, verse as... Maybe that's why they translate it as like that. But here it's definitely a lot different, like, way different than honoring somebody and feeling from somebody.
9: Right, because, see, in English, it can also mean, like, trembling, like, oh, like, I'm scared, like, I'm fearful, like, I'm...
5: Shaking to death, so...
9: Yeah, that's what it means?
5: No, no, it's, it's not, like, it's not that strong. So it's, like, by feeling, that means, like, basically, you honor them. That's, that's what it means. But you also, at the same time, you have to obey them. Just honoring and loving somebody doesn't mean that you obey them. I like my friends, but I don't obey them. So here is a commandment that you shall fear. That means you shall obey them.
1: Any comments as to why? So here we get this incredibly powerful uh, commandment. Be holy because I am holy. Why the very next thing that the Lord says, out of all the commandments he could have used, he could have just regurgitated Exodus 20, Deuteronomy does. But instead initially throws out, uh, revere your mother and father. Fear your mother and father. And why do you think, any, any comments as to why he does that? And then tacks on the Sabbath. Any comment?
5: I can say if I may. Okay, great. So if someone doesn't honor his own mother and father, how is he going to honor and fear God? So God is basically starting the commandment in the family.
1: Okay.
9: What's the length? I don't really get it, honestly, guys. Because in a way, like, say your mother is really annoying, right? Well then but God is really nice
10: and loving. Like God is so easy to love. I, I have a I have a comment, yeah, after Sharon. The, uh, hi guys. <laughs>
1: hey Yvonne. Yvonne from Brazil.
10: Yeah, the idea of, of loving, like your parents are in a sense your creators, your your earthly creators, and God is your heavenly creator. So if you can't, in a sense, no matter how difficult, right, Sharon, I know it depends on the parents, but no matter how difficult um it is to to submit and to honor your your parents that they're your earthly creators well then you have the heavenly creator which is so much more it's the Kal Yomer, call by yomer right the so much more uh the heavenly father who's your heavenly even he's your spiritual creator in a sense
8: okay
1: any other comments on that
8: one i think also erin that it could be that nothing was very hard to have fully written word to everybody The the traditions had to be taught down by the parents to their children, and that's why they had to fear or or honor and and, um, respect their parents, because the traditions were passed down from parent to child, from their, you know, down, down, down the line. And if they didn't respect, they would start going off track from the, the law, what the parents had.
1: That's, that's actually a really nice um, uh, point you raised there, uh, Vida. Thank you very much. I hadn't thought of that before, but that, because that, um, uh, one of my favorite verses is, uh, you know, um, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And then, you know, you sh- and, 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 then, and you shall teach these commandments. So you write these laws on your heart and you'll teach them to your children. And this sort of injunction that parents, you teach these to your children. Here you see that. There's a very, very, very nice link that uh, I'm holy. Now, you make sure you take look after mum and dad because they're supposed to tell you how holy I am, especially when you're five and all you want to do is play computer games or slingshots, you know, or whatever you want to do in the desert.
8: You can see it in society today where the parents don't respect the Lord or love the Lord, their children don't, and the, the society has lost all morals. Or-
1: okay, very good. Yes.
8: Or- you know, all aspects of what is good and
1: right. The general- Absolutely. If we keep telling our children that they're just, you know, um, animals, then, uh, you know, why do we not expect them to drink like fish, you know, fornicate like rabbits and, you know, um, act like a pack of wolves? It's, uh, you know, we've got to tell them, no, you're actually made in the image of God. You're actually meant to be holy. You're actually meant to look and act much differently Maybe even to what I'm acting, but definitely to, uh, to the way the world is. <clears throat> Very good. Okay, Mordecai, hand raised.
5: Yes, uh, about the fear thing, I would like to give an answer to uh, Sharon. Uh, as we read in uh, our weekly like, liturgy at Christ Church, also in Shemot 20, uh, what does it say? Is, Honor your father and mother in order that your days be lengthened on the land that the Lord your God is giving you, if you honor your parents, your days will be lengthened. If it not, they will be shortened. So here's the fear. Here's the fear.
6: Mm.
5: If you don't honor you, you, you you got to watch out because you might just die. Yes, yes. That's what he says.
9: Yes, yes, yes.
1: M- Mordecai's um, also not only reflecting on scripture or commentary of scripture, he's also was holding on to a piece of liturgy that during Lent. Some traditional churches, we, um, we gather together and we reread the Ten Commandments every day during that. Yeah, right. And we contemplate what the Lord has uh, uh, asked us to do. There's usually sometimes a response. Uh, we, use, we use in our responses words from Psalm 119. Uh, yeah. For those that ever want to, to follow along, you can watch us online. Um, but we, we, we contemplate this. We hear those commandments again. And I know that, Kate, you read it every day that I posted up on the prayer chat, right? Yes. I do. Yep. I do. But here
5: in this piece of paper, it's written very well. It says, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you. <laughs> what a promise, right? Yeah. But if you don't honor, what's going to happen?
1: Yes. Or as Tom says, parents' favorite threat. I brought you into this world. Dang it. I can take you out. i
9: think i if i could interject
1: Yep, go go. your turn
9: if if i could interject though i am hearing more and more christian parents who have raised their children and well they weren't uh weirdos
3: um who are
9: have whose children have lost their way
3: they were
9: they were christians as children but as soon as they got out into the world, and especially when they got into university, they have lost their faith to the point of being really antagonistic. So, where does that fit
3: in everything?
1: That's a very good question and a great heart cry from many parents around the world.
3: Well, I I, I can say as a parent, and I've got very grown up children, and both of them respect my faith and what I believe. Neither of them. Um, belittle or look down on anything. They are open to, I mean, I'm their mother. They respect me as their mother. And I'm hoping really that through my example, they will come to Jesus in the way that I did. And that's really all we can do. I mean, I had a call in the middle of that, and it's my son, and I'm saying, Look, I, I can't speak. I'm on a Zoom. And it's, Oh, mother. And I said, Well, it, he said, Is it important? I said, It's a Bible study. And he didn't say, anything he just said what time will you finish and he's never never heard me talk about this before so it's it's an it's an acceptance that your parent is a good guide and a good judge of things the way that you raise your children it will always this will always come back to you in good things I I believe that raise your children well it will come back to you well I have two can
8: I give the testimony from the other side My parents, when I was young, were complete Christians. They've always been Christians, strong in the Lord. And they raised me up to church. It's Christian values with Christ. And when I got older, I walked away from the Lord. I I did what you did. Absolutely. Walked away from the Lord. I I said, this is just man-made religion. You know, the Bible's man-made. All of this kind of thing. And then when I was... (laughs) It was about 20 years the Lord let me be away. And then suddenly He called me. I suddenly got the gift of faith again. It was an absolute gift. Overnight, it, was. it just gave me the gift of faith because my parents, they said the few days before they were crying out to the Lord for us. They were on their knees crying to the Lord for us to come to salvation. And my, when I phoned my mom and said, I, I believe in Jesus again, they broke down in tears. They said, last week we had just been praying. We've been crying to the Lord for salvation. And my brother was the same. He's now back with the Lord. So I can encourage parents, do not give up because God amen. never gives amen.
3: up. Yeah. No, and this, amen to that. And,
8: amen to that. Yeah. Us,
4: yeah.
8: and it grows. And, and it just let God do the watering. Mm.
4: We, we are seeing this more and more and more with our friends. So it's, uh, it's, it's imperative that the parent doesn't give up praying. Just
1: Correct. And so for those that have uh, are new parents, like our brother uh, Vitek over there in Czech, in the Czech Republic, he's a new parent with his little Aaron. Um, he has to act as, you know, priest to his son and uh, give him the word, create a home environment that honors the Lord, is full of the Holy Spirit, you know, all these things that we want to talk about. And uh, this creates this um, environment that the Lord says Teach a child in the way he should go, and he will not depart from it. But, of course, we understand in many of our examples ourselves and in in examples of our children, we did depart from it. However, we're all here because we also God called us back because God is always in the redemption business. And ever since that he has been redeeming his creation, he's also going to be continuing to redeem us. Praise the Lord. And he might even use you Mm -hmm. and me. So um, we encourage our unmarried guys like Moti when he uh, gets himself a lady and starts doing this job, Mama, and, uh, and Vitek, who has his little one, and for those of us that have already raised our kids and uh, continue to pray for them or mm-hmm. instill in the process, however we are. Uh, what, a, what an amazing adventure we're all on. Praise the Lord. Okay. But isn't it interesting? Be holy straight away. Look, look after mom and dad. Okay, so what is the actual command in, in Leviticus? What do you mean? Fear. What is the command in Exodus?
10: Yeah, same thing.
1: Honor.
6: Honor, yeah, honor.
1: Okay, now why do you think there might be a little difference here? What, what is Moses trying to say or what is the Holy Spirit trying to say to Moses in this respect? Modi's already hinted it that there's a fear has a has does have some strong connotations as well as the aspects of reverence and respect. And the command in the video in, in Exodus has that um, promise, honor your father, uh, it'll you will have it'll go well with you. Hmm. Prolong your days. So there's something interesting to think about. Okay, that there is a slight difference in the in the in the way that these commands are being applied in respect to the holiness of the Lord. Okay. Um, And very closely following on, remember, there's no full stops or punctuation in Hebrew. It just rolls. Okay. Be holy. Fear your parents. Instantly, we're now into the Sabbath. What's so important about the Sabbath in relation to the holiness of the Lord?
5: Well, because he signified the day right and by respecting yep by respecting what he had sanctified we are basically taking a step closer to the state of holiness
4: yes and we we have now entered into his rest because that rest is going to be pointing to messiah to lord jesus and 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 uh it's it's literally even from that even from that point it's it's I mean, he sanctified and he made it holy because it's actually pointing at the rest that we are called to in Messiah.
1: Sorry, I was slightly disappointed there. I really do apologize. Uh, our brother Andrew in South Africa was just reflecting and sharing that after many years in the wilderness, he and his son have uh, been studying some portions of scripture of the Bible together. Now, that's a treasure. And so we delight in that. Um, that joy, really as hallelujah. So, David, please, could you just let me know again what you were mentioning?
4: Oh, the Sabbath. It's 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 the day of rest, right? The Lord sanctified it and called it holy. And it's it's if He rests, right? Because ultimately He's called us into His rest. And Lord Jesus is going to tell us that we need to enter into His rest. This Sabbath was ultimately made so that we can enter into uh, rest with the Lord God into Messiah. I mean Hebrews goes to great lengths to explain this, and uh, that rest is actually Lord Jesus Christ, Messiah. So it has to be holy because Lord Jesus is holy. He's the Son of God. He is, he is God. You know. So it's that's that's for me is why he sanctified and called it holy, and and why you shouldn't mess with it. So it's very similar to what Modi was was saying. Slight variations. The first thing that
1: God calls holy is the Sabbath. It's incredibly special. If God's being holy, there's already a special day called holy. Then as a reflection, guard this day, which is a day of rest. It's not for God to rest on. It's for you to rest on. And it has this aspect of a millennial messianic permanent rest one day of extreme holiness when we're um, eventually reunited with the Lord. So there's a lot in there within that. So parents who are going to be teaching you a day that reflects the holiness of the Lord, and then there's the next thing, no idolatry. Okay? There's a there's another aspect to holiness is that there's only one God. You really can't start sharing me with somebody else who's not actually real. And uh, and so uh, parents, a special day, idols.
2: Yeah, yeah, um, Aaron. Sorry about that. Uh, just to take us a bit back on the Shabbat thing, um, the word there is also to guard, to guard the Shabbat. Um, of course, it's translated usually keep the Shabbat, but it's to guard the Shabbat. And um, one of the ways we get sanctified is by keeping the Shabbat.
5: Yes, yes. When yes, we yes. keep
2: the Shabbat, we get sanctified. When we keep the Shabbat, we get sanctified, uh, you know, and the sanctification continues. Um, yeah.
5: What, what you said is correct? That the guarding the Shabbat, uh, Shimshon, you know, in Israel, in modern Hebrew and also in the Hasidic community, uh, they call someone like who keeps Shabbat as Shomer Shabbat.
10: Shomer,
5: yeah. The guardian of Shabbat. What are you talking about? And you know how do they call me? Shomer Belaila. So, anyways, it's a
1: <laughs>
5: <yes>. <laughs> because I'm the night watch. So, anyways, it's a different
1: subject. <laughs> when, when Michelle and I lived in our old house, we were well known amongst the street as the Shomer Shabbat. The entire street would use us to fix their problems and they would always apologize. Oh, we're very sorry. And we used to constantly tell them, no, it's great. It's actually our pleasure to help you have a great Shabbat. Okay, so just let me in your house. I'll, I'll have a little sticky beak because I'm a nosy little person. Uh, and then show me where your fridge is, and I'll fix it up. Or I'll show me where your air conditioning is, and I'll make sure it's on or off, whichever you want. Or I'll move the pots around the the the, the oven to make sure that they're all hot enough for you. You'll have a great meal. Truly, it's great, absolutely fantastic. And um, and you can get in some amazing conversations, actually, about well, why do you as a Gentile love this day? What's what's so special about this? So that's a, there is a great opportunity. You actually act out holiness. And there's a special day when we can become a part of it and actually engage in sanctification. Okay, Moti, you have an, a final comment?
5: Yes, I just wanted to point that like how much the Bible still applies to us to this day. I just received a message from a dear sister. She says, older people are not being respected and valued in the world often seen as a cost so like here we see it it applies to us that we need to honor not only our fathers and mothers but the elderly people as well and also keeping the shabbat we are by keeping the shabbat we are sanctifying ourselves we are not basically doing a favor to god he doesn't care he's just he's god you know we're not doing him as favor because sometimes i feel like that way in israel then, then Shomer shabbat talk about how the how they keep the shabbat but it's also for us as yeshua said we are the lord of shabbat shabbat is basically a way to sanctify us to bring back to father i just wanted to mention this since to you
1: so much excellent
10: like it's interesting because the first thing that he sanctified wasn't like a like a cathedral or a holy space it was he sanctified that, that right that's always the, uh, who wrote that um Oh, the rabbi—he—he he has that book. It's beautiful. Um, He—it's—it's—he's it's, sanctifying, like you're sanctifying time. What is the name of that rabbi, Aaron? You know who I'm talking about. Um,
1: rabbi Heschel, the one, Abraham Heschel, who wrote the book *The Sabbath*.
10: The Sabbath. It's really nice.
1: Okay, friends. Thanks for uh, looking at the beginning of the Holiness Code, four verses. But but let's understand and acknowledge holiness is important to all of us. It's important to Gentiles just as it. And it's important to Israel. It's important to the Lord, our God, who uh, wants us to be a holy people.
0: Thank you for listening. Our sermons and Bible studies are on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Sermons can also be found on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook for alerts on live streams. If you are blessed by these teachings please prayerfully consider giving toward the work of Christ Church visit christchurchjerusalem.org blessings from the city of the great king